And welcome to the David and Ronald Show podcast. How are you doing today, Ronald? Not too bad. Yourself? Good. I'm doing very well. So this is our second episode back doing this remotely. I think if you listened to the last episode, it came out pretty well. We're still kind of fine-tuning the equipment to make sure that this works well and this sounds good. And so that when we put this episode out, it's going to be high quality or as high quality as it can be. Yep, definitely. Hopefully, with these slight adjustments that we've just made, it'll make things sound a lot better. Exactly. And I was also telling you in last episode that one of the things that I've been considering doing is getting like a second Rodecaster Pro. And since that, Zoom has actually announced a new device that can really, it looks like it can go up against the Rodecaster Pro. It's the PodTrack P8. And it doesn't come out until November, but I've been looking at some of the early reviews and some of the videos on it. And it really looks like it's something interesting. And it's also a little bit less expensive than the Rodecaster Pro. It's actually $100 less than the Rodecaster Pro. And if you get like a kit, it actually comes out. I think I was able to find a kit that was only about $100 more for the unit and for the kit. So the PodTrack P8 is like $499 versus the Rodecaster Pro, which is $599. But if I get a kit, which includes like a mic stand and a microphone and the cables, it's only $599. So that's not too bad if I were to do that. I mean, I'm not sold on it yet because I like how elegant and how nicely designed and easy the Rodecaster Pro is to use. But at the same time, I also like some of the features that are in the PodTrack P8, like you can actually run it off batteries. So you can use, I think it's like four AA batteries, or you can use a USB-powered battery, and you can literally record using that for, I think, a couple hours, which would be great because it makes it really ultra-portable, even more portable than the Rodecaster Pro. And the form factor is actually smaller than the Rodecaster Pro. Right. But the P8 visually does not look as nice as the Rodecaster, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Rodecaster Pro is a modern, elegant design. And that's what really sold me when we were looking at this at the very beginning last year. But the PodTrack P8 is more like a traditional mixer. And it has, like, the XLR inputs on the top. It's not as elegant. It's not as cool and modern-looking. But it still gets the job done. Last year, I was looking at something called the Live Track. I think it's Live Track L8, which looked very similar in design to the PodTrack P8. And I was looking at that as possibly something that I would get if we had to do remote podcasting. But then I was reading the reviews, and they said, well, it doesn't feature a lot of the backend audio compressors and de and noise reduction features that the Rodecaster Pro has. So I said, okay, that's not going to help because... In post, I'm going to have to do a lot more work to make it sound good. But the PodTrack P8 sounds like it has all those features. And if it does, it would be interesting to really go up against each other. So you would be using like the Rodecaster Pro on your end. I would use something like the PodTrack P8 on my end and see how the two compete. What's easier to use? What's more convenient? So we'd kind of be field testing both models while also doing the podcast, which I think would be very interesting to try out. Yep. Have there any been reviews of people who actually try to do uh, the two systems connecting to not one yet. another? They, not yet. As far as I know, Zoom hasn't sent out like sample models out to people oh. to review and try out yet. There are only like preliminary videos from like Zoom, B&H, and some other third parties, like uh, resellers who sell the equipment who've been talking about it. Okay. But there hasn't been any like individual reviewers that have tried it and put them up against each other. They did do it with like the Rodecaster Pro versus the Live Track L8 
and that's how I know like they were saying like the live track L8 is missing all these additional features these advanced features that are available on the Rodecaster Pro and that's really why I said okay let me just stick to the Rodecaster Pro yep. and like I said in the last episode if I do this I was going to get the Rodecaster Pro but because Zoom just announced this PodTrack P8 and it has some of those features that I do like I said okay well maybe I'll hold off until November or as we get closer in November and wait until I get some more information as to how good the PodTrack P8 is and then if it is good maybe go with that so that at least on my end it's a little bit easier I was telling you when we were setting up for today's podcast that this is a, a very convoluted setup that I have here yep. and I have to remember what I did last week to make sure that this is working yep but if if it does end up looking like it's something comparable then that might be something we we kind of kill two birds with one stone where we're able to do the podcast with good equipment on each end and at the same time be able to to test the equipment out and probably offer a review as to which unit we like better in terms of sound quality performance ease of use and all those good things the one thing i do want to mention is that unlike the roadcaster pro that has that bluetooth option built in which we're using right now to to talk over facetime the podtrap p8 does not have built-in bluetooth there's an adapter that you have to buy and it's like 50 dollars that you plug into the ports that are on the unit and then you get bluetooth so that's like a downside i don't know why they didn't just incorporate bluetooth for the price point that you're paying for the unit oh okay so i guess we'll see i mean i i'm never a fan of the additionals that you have to purchase but definitely would be yeah worth absolutely the try looks like we're probably what maybe a couple months away from that anyway because once it comes in stock i'm sure there'll be a whole time before it'll actually arrive and everything like that so oh yeah absolutely and I mean, even like the Rodecaster Pro, when the pandemic started, the Rodecaster Pro was selling out very quickly. Because if you want really high-quality audio, whether you're using it for podcasting, streaming on Twitch, or doing things for YouTube, or any sort of audio recording or audio pass-through, the Rodecaster Pro does really well. And so it was selling out, and it just wasn't available. So even if I wanted one before, I wasn't able to buy another one. But now it's starting to come back into stock. And with the Zoom Podtrap P8 out, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not it's a true competitor to what Rode has. Cool. Until then, we'll have to keep figuring out how to do our setup here and try to improve it as much as we can. Exactly. And I think it's going pretty well. I th I'm sure you've listened to, to the episode. I listened to the episode in editing and also after I released the final version. And there were some quirks that we had to work out, obviously. But I think each time we, we record using the current setup, we're going to fine-tune it, and it will get better. Yeah, baby steps, just like when we first started this, um, like you said last time, a year ago from that date. Um, so, yeah, it'll be pretty cool. Absolutely. So let's get into some of the topics that we want to talk about this episode. First and foremost, I just want to jump back into Apple and iPhone season because we now are in October. The September keynote, once again, Apple did not mention anything about iPhones. But there are a lot of rumors swirling that maybe October 13th, 12th, 14th, somewhere in that range, iPhones may be announced. What do you think? What have you been hearing? I mean, I think every week you keep hearing more and more details about the iPhone 12, but not legitimate information necessarily. You just keep hearing something about 5G or they're going to change the, the pricing, what's the camera's going to look like, what's, you know, what glass they're going to use or something like that. But... You know, I don't think there's been too much 
real new information that they've been releasing. Um, but I think at this point, it's just really waited out, right? We're already in October. Um, guessing what? We're maybe two weeks away from hearing something more. Um, I think the last thing that I've heard was potentially mid-October. That's what all the sites are saying. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see see where that goes. But then even after that, it's when is it actually going to be released? And then from there, all the, the pre-orders and waiting for everything, that's ultimately what, what you'll have to take into account, right? Like I ordered my Apple Watch, but mine hasn't even shipped yet. It's probably not going to come till mid-October, if even. Um, I know yours shipped already, so that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, to that's see a what funny your, story because yesterday be. I got the notification. First, I had this preliminary delivery date of sometime this week, and then all of a sudden there was an exception. And anytime you see the exception, it's like, okay, what's wrong? And it's they're literally the, the date was gone. They took the date of delivery, the scheduled delivery out, and now it's just out there somewhere. That doesn't make sense to Did be it delivered. Actually... Well, I guess it processed, but it didn't have a ship date, right, originally? Originally, it had a ship date of October 8th, which would have been, I, I'm, I'm sorry, a deliver, an estimated delivery date of October 8th, which would be, I be, believe, right. this Thursday. Right, but did it actually say it shipped? Outside of giving you an estimated date, did it actually say that oh, it yeah. shipped? Yeah, it actually shipped. shipped, and it was going through the oh. process of, and of course, you know, they're, they're, they manufacture these out in, in China. Yeah. So it's coming out of those factories. So it was going through that process, and I'm sure it has to go through uh, their customs and yeah. whatever their clearinghouse. So maybe is. it's gotten held now, up there in that customs. Yeah. Now thing. it looks like it in Japan. So I don't okay. know. It, there's there, so there it is there's moving. no. It's moving. It just doesn't look like there's a specific date as to when it's going to be delivered now. And I don't know if anyone else who ordered their Apple Watches, the Series 6, if they're having that problem. I've seen on YouTube, a lot of YouTubers, they've received like their Apple Watches and they've been doing unboxings. I assume those are actually the ones they ordered and not like models that Apple sent out for them to review. And those aren't review models, hard to say, but it looks like some people have gotten it. At the same time, I'm a little bit concerned about the Solo Loop now. And I mentioned this in the last episode that they have that sheet that you print out and then you measure it on your wrist, on your wrist. And I'm listening to what people are saying and they're saying that that measurement tool isn't accurate even if you use it properly because they're getting solo loops that are too big for their wrist. And so you should really be getting like one or two levels down. And I'm like thinking now, well, I measured, I think, a six. So am I really a four? Although. A caveat to that is I noticed a lot of people, when they're measuring, they're measuring the very tip of their wrist, the very end of their wrist. And I don't know about you, but I don't put my watch at the very end of my wrist. It's usually a couple inches above my wrist. So, And that's where I was measuring. But in a lot of the videos that I saw, everyone was measuring the end of their wrist. So I don't know where where is your watch normally? It's, I would think that it's a couple Mine inches. Mine is a bit above. It wouldn't fall so close to I guess where your palm is, just because I feel like it gets in the way of everything, right? When you're trying to type on a computer, you're trying to write. So it's generally right. a bit higher. I'd probably say maybe two inches. Yeah, that, that's about so. right. I'm trying to measure it, eyeing it right now, and trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's, you know, I could kind of see where my arm didn't get any sun. Because I was wearing my right. watch usually when I'm out, so I can see where the skin coloring is a bit lighter. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely about two inches or so above it. But I also think it's the type of watch, too. 
when you have the larger face watches, you can't yeah. really measure all the way flush to your wrist either. It has to be a bit behind that because of the size of the face of the watch. With that said, though, the, the Apple Watch isn't too large of a face. It's a reasonable size. So I think you would still right. measure above it regardless. Yeah, I mean, you can see on my arm, I, I, I'm going to show you. I, you can't see it on, obviously, we're not recording video for this. But I'll show you on my arm where my finger is. That's where I would have my watch approximately in right. this area here. So it would not, but people were measuring their wrist literally at the edge of their wrist, which... Do they give any guidance I mean, on where to measure it from your from your wrist? I don't rem no, I don't remember. I think it was just you put it on your wrist and you just have to make sure that you pick the number that's in between the arrows. So I I put it exactly where I normally put my watch, where I would normally wear a watch when I used to wear right. a watch, and I came to a six. So I'm hoping that's the right size. The other thing was I was near an Apple store over the weekend and I was going to buy the other band, the I guess the Velcro strap. Uh, the Nike Loop or whatever it's called. Yep. I was going to go through there, and because of the pandemic and, and COVID, I wasn't exactly sure what the protocol was going into the store now because they try to let people have more room. So there's like literally like rope tied out outside the store, and I saw this woman heading there, and they were showing her like a sign, I guess, with whatever the protocol was, and then I don't know what they were doing, and then they let you go inside. So I was trying to like get more information because it's like, well, do you have to schedule an appointment? Is it just for pickups? Is every store operating a little differently? So I wasn't sure about that because otherwise I may just order the other band and then just go to the store and pick it up rather than, than ship it, assuming that they have the, the that band in stock. Yeah, I mean, from what I was told, I had a friend who was asking about that probably a week or two ago, and they mentioned when they called, they, they said that you have to have an appointment. So they did schedule an appointment to okay. go to the store. But again, like you said, it could be different in different ones. I think this was for one of the ones in Queens. I think it's the one in the mall. Um, so I don't really know if they're doing that for every single one, but probably worth calling them to find out what exactly their protocol is. But it sounds like it's likely an appointment. Yeah, I was at the one that was at the uh, World Trade Center. So I was like trying to figure out if they could walk in. You couldn't walk in because they literally have a line there and they have... Apple employees standing outside so it was like a little bit confusing and I know on their website they say they've also limited the amount of items that they have on display now so that I guess you know because they can then wipe it down and keep right. everything disinfected and, and sanitized which makes sense so I was just trying to figure out like oh should I just pop into the store and if they have it buy it on site or maybe I should just order it for pickup and go there and pick it up and like I mentioned in the last episode I was going to order it initially and I said, well, let me let me wait for the solo loop to come in. Let me see how I like it, and then maybe get the other band afterwards. But I I may still do that. I may just wait until the phone, not the phone, the watch comes in, try the solo loop. Hopefully, it fits, and then maybe try it out for a couple of weeks, and then decide if if I want to get another band. Yeah, I mean, I I did read about that, and there was one complaint. I think this came from a couple of weeks ago, but I think they've changed the policy where they said, you know, if, if that band didn't fit, you'd have to send the whole thing back the watch and the band included. And there was an uproar from when I was reading that. They said, this yeah, is ridiculous. I'd have to wait. You know, they were waiting this long for it. Now you have to return it, you know, to get another one. Why can't you just switch out the band? But I think from what I read, maybe less than a week ago, they changed that policy where they'll, they'll honor just changing the band out. But the original policy was not that. And there was a lot yeah. of uh, heat with Apple because of 
them choosing to do that, which makes no sense. Right. The other bit to it, make any sense. yeah. The other bit to it is they say, you know, there's the normal wear and tear where it can stretch. You know, it's like a rubber band, right? You use it over time, right. it's going to stretch. So again, how long is that going to last? Is it that you have to take real care between taking it off, put it back on, so that it doesn't stretch, or is it going to be something like something that didn't make it through the initial testing, and suddenly a month or two months later, people will start complaining, saying, "Oh, this overstretched or snapped or something yeah. like that." So. That was kind of my initial concerns as well. That's why I didn't really want to get that, though I intended to get a different strap anyway. But something to probably think about, and maybe that'll be good feedback to see how how sturdy is it at the end of the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense because the last thing you want to do is have a situation where it snaps off your wrist and then your watch goes flying. And then then your watch maybe hits the ground, a concrete floor or an asphalt ground, and it cracks the screen. And then now, well, it's, it's a warranty issue. The other thing I heard some people say is if you get the solo loop too small, just like a rubber band that's too small, it does cut circulation off on your your wrist. Yep. Or or at least it, it gives you those indentations. Yeah. But if it gives you those indentations, then it's also potentially cutting circulation off. So you have to make sure that it's not too small so that it cuts circulation off. It's not too big so that it slides off your wrist and it's not comfortable it has to kind of be like just right and i guess that's where the other types of bands are better where like with the velcro strap you can adjust it to your preferred liking right i mean i guess at the end of the day it's it's that it's flat so that the bottom of your wrist if you're if you're doing things again like typing on a computer you're writing or something. I think that was the whole intention of making it flat so that you don't have as much friction against anything. But, you know, with that said, all the positives always have some negative to it, right? So you're not going to know how well it works for you until you actually use it. And I, I feel like it's going to be one of those split decisions where some people will love it and others are going to hate it. But at the end of the day, that's what it's going to be. And we'll see where that takes it. Yeah, absolutely. So now I just have to wait and hopefully I will get my Apple Watch at some point whenever it decides to make it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Just remember, I'm always still waiting longer than you, so at least you'll get it before me. Yeah. Did you go with the 44 millimeter as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I've asked you this multiple times. I wanted to make sure. It's not significant in the size and also you want to have you know, that screen size to be able to actually toggle through everything. I mean, it's a touch screen, right? If you get the smaller screen, you're not going to be able to do much with it. I mean, I right now have the 42. It's good, but the 44 does look much nicer. I've seen other people have it. And certainly you can have a lot more of the, the widgets on there running. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we were at an Apple store a couple of years ago, or maybe, well, each of the last couple of years that they announced the new watch series. And I would go there and I would keep saying like, how do you use these smaller ones? Because like I'm poking at the buttons yep. and I, I can't get things. Oh, that's to work 38 was horrible. It's, it's just too small. You, you can't yeah. do anything on the on the 38 because you tapping one thing and it's going to another one. Or maybe if you use a pinky or something, then it might work a little better. But at the end of the day, it's how much can you fit on that screen? And you don't think about it until you actually have it. And when that 44 came out and they showed, oh, you can add more widgets on the screen. It's much nicer because you can have so much in that one screen than having to go into each app and do this and do that. You know, think of it on the iPhone, right? When you have the smaller screen versus the big screen, more real estate, you're able to get more on there. 
and it's just so much nicer. But you don't realize that till you're actually using it day to day. Then you see, oh, okay, I did need that, and that's why when we initially looked at it. I kept going back and forth, like, which one should I get? You remember that. It was probably a right. headache for yeah, you because absolutely. each time I'm like, yeah, let's go in there. You're like, well, are you going to get it or not? I'm like, eh, I'll wait on it. And then finally, you know, pull the trigger and got it. But I didn't regret it. And it was good to do that research to see how it looks like in person, not just looking at it online or reading other people's reviews. You want to look at it in person and give it your own assessment first. Right. And that's something that you can't really do now because of the pandemic go into an Apple store. I mean, I'm sure you can to some extent, but yeah. it's like you have to think about the sanitizing protocols, the disinfecting protocols, all the things like that. And I guess you, at the end of the day, like I, I, I'm just thinking for myself, it's like I wouldn't want to have to deal with that. So it's right. like you're just kind of looking at it visually and yeah, saying, okay, I, I, I hope. The positive is that it's not a new product in general, right? The sizing right. has been out, so you've probably seen it already. Um, I think with the iPhone 12, that's a different story now because that's going to have a different shape, design, form factor, whatever you want to call it. So that's going to be different not being able to see it in person. Right. Though, will that really stop me from getting one? Probably not. Probably not. But I, I think, like I said, over the last couple of years, I am strongly considering going like Pro Max because I still have a lot of trouble, even with the iPhone 10, with the larger screen real estate, typing on the keyboard and being able to strike every key correctly because most of the time I'm going backwards and I'm fixing typos because it's just not picking up the right keys that, I, that I'm hitting or I'm missing the keys because I'm going in between the letters because the keyboard's so small. Yeah, no, I hear you. I think my only piece around that, and I've mentioned this many times, where it's how well does it fit in your pocket, right? Is, does it just look weird? Is it easily accessible? How does it work? And I think that's always been my concern with the larger phone. Though I did do the cutout of the 11 once before, and I said, right. eh, okay, it's not that bad. But there's not like, nothing like having the real one. It's not like when you're in the store, you can just take the phone and put it in your pocket because <laughs> right. I think you're stealing exactly. it or something. But, yeah, it's, um, you don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's the one piece that has always gotten me, whether it's going to feel comfortable in the pocket. You know, Years ago, I bought a Windows phone, and that was a 6.1 inch device right. but to be fair you know while the screen was that size there was also a border so that made the phone even larger so when i had tried to carry that around in my jeans pocket it just felt ridiculous and i tried using it in my back pocket but then i would forget a lot of times when i'm sitting down to take it out of my pocket then you have to put it on the table you know so there's a lot of little things to account for but i think with the the iphone pro max at least you don't have that extra border it's kind of you know end-to-end end. so we'll see how that goes though yeah absolutely i mean i while you're saying that i was thinking back in the day when we're using like belt clip holders for our phones like <laughs> when you have yep. a blackberry or a nextel phone or a, any any phone pretty much where you were still using it. i mean when i first got my first iphone which i think was the iphone 5 i think i still had a belt clip holder for that and then eventually it just got to the point where the phones are a little bit heavier, they're a little bit bigger, and it just it's not comfortable putting it on a belt clip. And it was like, okay, you just have to put it elsewhere because it's, it doesn't make any sense to do it anymore. But I think it, it made sense back in the day when you're using like a BlackBerry or you're using like an Iden phone. 
but nowadays it's like okay it's faded away everyone just where most people put it yeah. in their coat pocket in their inner jacket pocket in their pants pocket jean pocket in their bags wherever else that you put it rather than in a belt clip yeah i mean i think form factor and size come into play right i think years ago probably more like 10 years ago it was the smaller the phone the better and you know went from large phones to smaller phones now we're going back to large phones again right so i think that's the difference for it and belt clips weren't really meant for these larger phones and to that point i actually did buy a belt clip for that large windows phone that i bought and i felt <laughs> absolutely ridiculous with it i felt like i was just always walking into something and it would knock the phone and yeah. essentially it fell off a few times because i had a case for it and it fell right. on the floor so i was lucky it didn't break there was a bit of a bumper on the on the the case that I bought, but still it fell multiple times to the point where I said after I think it was like two weeks using it, I said, all right, no, I'm I'm not gonna do this. Forget about it. Spent too much money buying this phone for it to just drop. Yeah, I so mean, it went when back I, to my pocket. Yeah, when I first went uh, to iPhone and I had that belt clip, there were a number of times when I was removing the phone from the belt clip and the phone would just go flying, and fortunately it was insulated in. A case in a separate case so when it hit the ground I never had a cracked screen or any damage to the actual phone but yeah it was a little bit of trouble doing that because with the blackberries they just kind of slide up but with the phone it doesn't slide up it, it would really be like a, a snap in a little bracket at the top that would hold it and that's where you ran into trouble because you unlatch it and as you're pulling it out that latch snaps back because of the spring and then your phone goes flying yep exactly so i, th I think we're just beyond uh, those now and you just have to do it in your pocket yeah Nothing and with a pro do. max i mean i would not want that like i've seen people with like larger phones and still have it on a belt clip and it's like yeah i'm not doing that it, it just it doesn't make any sense anymore if you if you want to do that obviously it's your choice but for me personally i can't do that anymore i want to see you put that in a shirt pocket <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to fit in a shirt pocket. It's really going to stick out. I don't even know if it would fit in a, like in a dress shirt pocket. It might Probably be wider than, than a dress shirt pocket. Jeans are definitely hard because jeans are literally straight in. And so there's not a lot of room. If you wear dress pants, they're especially like pleated pants, which I prefer, then you have more room. But if you wear flat pants or jeans, then it's really straight in and there's not a lot of wiggle room to go in and imagine then like you go to a concert or something i mean you're not doing it now but when you were able to go to concerts and go to events and you're sitting down and all of a sudden you have something like a pro max in your pocket it's like i don't think you can really sit in there i think that, that's part of where like the the bend gate started where people's phones were bending out right. of shape it, exactly and but i feel like with dress pants as you walk it might just keep slapping against your leg yeah but i i don't know i i guess we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that yeah, my biggest problem has been how the the flashlight on the on the phone goes on automatically or all of a sudden I feel like my pants pocket really warm and I take out my phone it's been taking pictures and the camera's been running the entire right. time. So how does that happen? Because I didn't unlock the phone, but it's because you can hit that button. But it's like right. inside your pants pocket, there's nothing there that can push that button. But somehow it's on it's and it's apparently it, been yeah. on for a couple hours and I'll go into my photo album and I'll see all these like images of inside my pants pocket you know <laughs> yeah. and the fabric and stuff so what happened that doesn't make any sense yeah i i had that happen a couple of times 
especially wearing dress pants. With jeans, I haven't had that happen. So I'm guessing it has to do with the way it's just rubbing against the fabric or, or that it moves more. Jeans right. are a bit tighter, right? The, the fabric is a thicker fabric than dress pants. So I think that just causes the pants pocket to move a lot more. And maybe that's what's causing it. Right. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So what else? Let's, let's change gears. You had some topics that you wanted to talk about. So let, let's look over to those topics. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it relates to COVID, right? I mean, that's such a big thing and really changing the way in which you're living your everyday life. I think one thing for me was, well, when, they, when everything was closed, how do I cut my hair? Right. Do I just let it grow and grow and grow? And it, it got to the point where it was very annoying. So I think at that point, you learn to be very self-sufficient. Right. Try to see, well, do I have the skill? Can I do it? So, you know, knowing me, I just went on YouTube and just started looking at videos of how to cut your own hair. Right. So after watching, I don't know, probably around 10 or so videos, and I said, eh, I think I might be able to do this. So I went ahead and actually did it, you know, and didn't seem too difficult, actually. Right. I mean, so, I, it turned out fairly well. I mean, you, as good as you can possibly do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't too bad. I enjoyed doing it. And I think... This is probably like my fifth one that I've done so far now. And I think with each one, it kind of improves a little bit each time, right? But there was that one time where I think it was the third one where I guess I, I felt too confident. Right. I ended up cutting too much. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. So that wasn't the greatest thing. But I've learned to be, again, still confident. But you still want to take your time in doing it because all you need is that one, one wrong move and that's it. It's, it's, it's all screwed up. But outside of that, I think that it just helps you realize how self-sufficient you can be when you're forced to having to do, do things on your own like that. Right, absolutely. And then I think going out of that, we were talking about yesterday about cooking, yeah. right? That you, you could order food, sure, but during, the, I guess, the, the biggest time for COVID, you're just like, uh, do I really want to order this and that? There's delivery. So then I spent a lot of time then starting to cook and... It was based on all cravings that you have, right? You're right. like, oh, I miss this type of food. I miss that type of food. And that's when I start making food. And even desserts, I felt like, oh, I miss this, this dessert. Can I make this on my own? So I ended up thinking of all the things I wanted to eat, bought it up in a supermarket, and started creating those meals. Right. And, you know, yet again, you feel like, you feel accomplished because you're like, oh, wait, this is something that I never thought I'd really be able to do. Cooking here and there, that's one thing. But a lot of it at the time before COVID, it was like, okay, well, most of the time I'm going to buy something to eat. And that's really it. Cook here and there, but very basic meals. And I would say for, you know, any of the other stuff for restaurants or takeout, something like that. But that wasn't an option, right, during COVID. So I just started creating all those meals on my own. And, you know, again, that you just feel like you just extend your knowledge just doing that and it's enjoyable i mean you have nothing else to do might as well do something make it productive right yeah i mean and enjoyable yeah i've seen pictures of a lot of the food that you've made and it's like really incredible it looks like restaurant quality and i've said this to you many times jokingly it's like what uh, have you started like your own youtube channel or something and your own cooking show because it's like it really looks that good yeah so th th that's the funny thing right you, you see the final product it looks great and yeah it's great it looks good it tastes good but you should see the kitchen, though. Right. The kitchen's a mess. <laughs> so for me to do a video, I'd have to edit it so much because it takes a lot of time to do each one, 
trying to clean, you know, clean everything, clean the pots, keep clean the bowls, do everything like that. And it ends up being a mess, especially the things where you're using flour or anything like that. Yeah. It's just a complete mess in the kitchen. And by the time I've finished cooking, I'm just sitting there. Okay. Well, spend all these hours to cook it, spend a few minutes to eat it. Now I have to clean everything. And exactly. That's, that's the challenge there. But again, you just want to push yourselves to the limit sometimes and just see what can you do. And a lot of things where I thought initially, hey, this is pretty hard to do, start doing it and you get pretty confident in doing it yourself and you get very comfortable. And you know, at the end of the day now, I enjoy doing it, but do I really want to do it like for, for another few months? Probably not. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how things are going. I mean, in New York, numbers are starting to go up again. Yeah. So I've started to cook a little bit more now. Versus going out and getting food where I did start doing that over the last month, month and a half. Right. But I think I might start cooking more now just to stay more indoors again. Yeah. While really the neighborhoods around me right now, that's where the numbers are going up. So that kind of forces me to stay home a bit rather than going out there and, you know, potentially catching it. Yeah, it's important to remain vigilant and to continue to follow guidance of health officials because... That's where the mistakes happen, is you become overly confident that, oh, things are getting better, so I don't have to be as due diligent. I don't have to be as careful anymore. And that's when mistakes happen, and that's why you start to see things like infection rates going up again. And part of it was expected with more reopening, because we now have 25% capacity for indoor dining. Schools have started to reopen, more people on mass transit and things like that. But the moment you start to slip up and you don't take the necessary steps to keep yourself safe, keep others safe, then that's when these things happen. And you don't want to put yourself in that situation. I think it's a shocking reminder to everyone that you have to stay alert and you have to continue to take the proper steps and the necessary steps to protect yourself, your friends, your family. And I think every time you step out the door, it's like, okay, you need to keep that in the back of your mind because if you don't, you increase the risk that you may be exposed to the virus and then subsequently you could expose someone else to the virus and you don't want to do that. And that's really why you try to stay indoors as much as possible. Obviously, you don't want to be locked up indoors all the time. And no one's saying that you have to be. But if you do go outside, you need to take the necessary precautions to stay safe and to keep everyone else safe. I mean, that's why also, like, as we were just talking about cooking, I've been doing the same thing. I mean, experimenting with pizza or making chicken teriyaki or orange chicken and other things. You hear the sirens because I have the window open. This is the problem is when I was recording solo, almost every day that I recorded solo where I did not close the window, a fire yep. truck would go by or a police car would go by or an ambulance would go by and you'd hear sirens in the background. But... If I close the window, like a day like today, it's really nice. So I don't have the yep. fan on at the moment. So I want the fresh air from the window. But if I close the window, then I have to have the fan on to circulate the air. And then the fan you'll hear just as well. And right. the fan, you'll hear that, you know, the air blowing the entire time and the mic will pick it up. So it's like, okay, this is not going not gonna to work. When winter comes along, when it gets cold and you can close the windows, then I can silence all the outside noise. But then like when you are in an older building, you have the heat coming up the pipes and it makes that loud hissing sound. And then that will ruin your recording. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I actually had to close my window today. I've, I've had it open for like the last week or so, right. but I don't know if it's the same guy riding on a, on a motorcycle or different people, but I swear it's the same guy who just keeps riding in circles in the neighborhood. So, and he just keeps revving the engine. Right. So that's why I had to close the window because I know for sure at some point he was going to come by and just keep going. You, you could hear it like pretty loud. So I ended up having to close the window just to do this. Otherwise, you'd probably be hearing other other sounds as well in in my background. Yeah, we I think during COVID, or we're still technically in COVID, but during the peak, there would be a an SUV that would drive by like every day, or eventually it became like two or three times, and they'd have their music cranked up so loud that it would reverberate through the neighborhood. And I mean, fortunately, I think it's stopped now, but it would go on like literally every day, different times, and they would just drive through the neighborhood. Or eventually, I think like in the last month or two, they would be driving by like two or three times within a couple hours. So there was like always something. And that was like always annoying. Yep, but I guess we'll, we'll see how much of that actually came back out on the track once once you get to the oh, editing you're, mode. Oh, you're, you're probably going to hear it. You're, you're definitely going to hear it. It's like the one time that we were adjusting settings on the Rodecaster Pro, and that day, right. it had to be that day, a fire truck or an ambulance went by, and you could hear the sirens in the background as we were recording. And I think he had the windows shut, so it literally came Oh, yeah, in. yeah. No, yeah, I had the windows shut, but it was... It, usually, if it's on the same block, then it's going to get through the, the glass, no matter what. If it's a block away, it's fine, but when it's on that same block, you're, you're bound to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, while we were talking before, I moved the microphone from my inconvenient spot to my hand so that I could face you. And I wasn't twisting my body to talk into the mic and now my hands are tired. So I'm going to make a little noise now and I'm gonna move the mic back to where it was before because it's, it's really tiring to hold the microphone the entire time. This is a heavy, this Blue Yeti is a very heavy microphone. Yeah, how many pounds is that? That that looks really heavy. I, I don't know. It's it's the stand. It's not just the stand. The stand and the microphone themselves are really heavy. What what's it made of? It's some sort of metal, right? Oh, it's metal. <laughs> if you hear that. So if it fell if it fell on your foot, it would hurt then, right? Oh yeah, it, it, you would probably have a serious bruise. You'd be lucky if it didn't break your foot. So this is yeah. not something you want to drop on your foot. This is a very yeah. heavy. It's a good microphone, but it's a very heavy microphone. It's not. A mic designed to hold in your hands. It, yep. I mean, yeah, I, I would think prefer... I used that once before. I think you had me test with that once before. Yeah, it's that's how I remember. Yeah, when, when I first got this, and it was before we even started the podcast, when we were talking about maybe using just like Logic Pro or GarageBand, and then just connecting two mics yep. to a laptop and and recording that way. And from there, it, that's when I was doing more research, and I found out, yeah, that's not going to work real well if you want to capture the audio on two separate tracks you need to get professional equipment and fortunately that's when the the roadcaster pro was announced and then we were able to get it and start the podcast all right so i think we came full circle topic wise <laughs> were, were there more topics that you that you want to touch on or did you cover your points no i think i covered my points i i, I think the only other thing that i i also mentioned on the other one was really changing your work from home right and I've, I've shown you this many times on how it's changed between having just a regular table, single screen, to changing it to a dual screen. Now I have to have a table that goes up, you know, for standing or sitting down. But again, it just goes to show that when something like this hits, you just have to change 
every way that you do everything, right? Not just personally, but also things for work as well. Right. And I'm sure everyone out there had to readjust. I, I do still have some friends who say, oh, no, I just work off my laptop. I was, I was like, I don't know how you do that. I wouldn't be able to just work off directly on my laptop for the last few months. But I guess it depends on what you do every day. But I'm sure it, it takes a toll on your body, on your neck, on your back and everything. Just to have to work off of, you know, just the screen. I know that you've had to do that as well. So I think that was the only bit I was going to say where, you know, yet again, it's just the way it just changes everything, how there's that new normal. But, you know, after doing this for so long, you kind of think, do I really want to go back to the office and being in that environment or just continuing this work from home environment? Right. And I think that's a question that more and more businesses are going to start asking themselves if they haven't asked already and also get input from employees what they want to do. Do you want to go back to the office full time, you know, 100 percent of the time? Do you want to do a shift alternating days where maybe part of the time you're in the office and part of the time you work at work from home? Or do you prefer to just work from home for the foreseeable and unforeseeable future? Because we really don't know when COVID, when the pandemic will end, whatever end means. So we, at least for the time being, know that this is probably going to go on through the end of the year. We already know all the major events. I mean... I think on the last episode, we were talking about the holidays and how that's going to be very much virtual. And I read an article, I think either the CDC or some other health organization was mentioning that more and more people should think about doing virtual Thanksgivings this year instead of in person because of the higher risks of COVID and spreading the virus. We know that like the major events like Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and the lighting of the tree at Rockefeller Center, all those will become some type of virtual-like event this year. Even, I think, uh, New Year's Eve, I think it's a f- been yep, officially announced that that's going to be virtual this year. Because yep. that, that, was a, that was a big question. I mean, you, they normally say there's like a million revelers in Times Square for New Year's Eve. And even, I think, like two months ago, before we were, were talking about the holidays, I already so, started seeing, like, advertisements and emails going out about, well, celebrate your New Year's Eve with us virtually. And it's right. like, okay. And, but that that's the way it's going to be for at least the remainder of 2020. And then the question becomes, what happens in 2021? I was listening to something on the radio this morning. And again, they were talking about when a vaccine comes out, the priority will likely go to the healthcare workers, the hospital staff, those people who are first responders because that's where you're going to need it, the priority first, because they can't help people unless they're, they have some sort of protection against the virus. But there's still so much information that everyone else doesn't know, and we don't have all the facts. And we hear like that there is a continuation of infections and more people becoming ill, even if the, the number of deaths don't increase as aggressively as they did during the peak of COVID. You still have people who become sick, become infected. Some require hospitalizations. Some will recover with just mild symptoms. But then now we're talking about, well, what's the long-term impact of having COVID? Because there are, I've read reports where people are saying that, yeah, they, they still suffer from residual symptoms or they still have problems after recovering from COVID. And so that's scary. That's definitely a scary thought. 
to say that this has a long-term effect on your body. And what does that mean going forward? Yeah, I mean, mainly I heard about the long-term effect on your lungs. There was a article that I read where a young lady who got it, and before that, perfectly healthy, did a lot of running, but now she can't really do that anymore because she just gets winded because of the long-term effects to her lungs to doing that. Right, absolutely. So there, there are still a lot of unknowns. So, I mean, I think I would say to anyone listening to this podcast, please be careful, please stay vigilant, please do everything that you need to do to stay safe, follow the guidance of health officials, do your part to protect yourself, your family, your friends, everyone in your community. On that note, I think we'll wrap this episode up. I did put together, I had a list, and last time we were talking about this, I put together questions from conversationstartersworld.com. I found actually a, another list of questions that I wanted to do, and I've been kind of modifying some of them, uh, this or that questions. Next time we might do like a rapid fire, this or that questions, and maybe do a Q&A and answer some of those questions for the next episode. We also have to see what happens with the upcoming Apple event. We're all expecting that there'll be an iPhone event, and so maybe that will be something we talk about. The other thing we have to figure out is what the schedule is for the podcast. I think right now we're recording this two weeks after the last one, so we'll just have to see how we work the schedule out to recording, whether or not we're going to do something weekly or keep it on an every two-week schedule or mix and match and just kind of test it out and see how things work out. But we'll figure that all out. We're also going to make sure the settings that we made today sound okay. And if not, we'll tweak it again for the next episode. So until next time, thank you for listening to the David and Ronald Show podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can still find us on Google Play Music, Amazon Music, and on Spotify. Until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye.